Hey, welcome to the After Chat. I'm Michael. I'm Ellis. And today we're going to be talking about Giants and David and Goliath. You ready, bro? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Welcome to the After Chat. Real questions. Real talk. Real life. So glad that everybody is here. So let's just kick this off. Uh, keep it a little light and frothy here at the beginning <laughs> of of the episode. Um, so, uh, what was your childhood fear? Um, the dark, classic. I dark hallways, having to flip the light off and then get in bed in the dark. Like that wasn't for me. I mm-hmm. give me a flashlight, something. Can't can't do the dark. How about you? Growing up in the Midwest, I was terrified of tornadoes. Oh. Never encountered one. Actually saw some funnel clouds go over from time to time, but nothing ever came down. But that was something that just absolutely terrified me was just the thought of a tornado just because they're so they're so random. Like Mm -hmm. if you look at a map of a tornado damaged area, like it'll take out three houses here, then skip ten and then just take out, you know, a half a dozen more. So that was definitely what terrified me the most as a kid. Yeah. So What's your adult fear? See, now we're getting deep. Yeah. Like, I feel no like longer just, light and frothy. We just jumped in the pool. Okay. Probably just my my kids needing me and me not being able to be there for them. Mm. Like, yeah. I think that that would be most definitely be my, my adult fear. Mm-hmm. Like, something going on with my kids and not being able to be there to, to get them. Yeah. So, you? I guess we are jumping in the pool. Because <laughs> I think mine is probably the just not meeting people's expectations. Uh, mm-hmm. That feeling really kind of eats away at me. Yeah, that's probably it. We're at right at the beginning. We'll just leave it right there. Yeah. That's, that's like another episode or something. Anyways. We'll, we'll probably hit that somewhere in episode seven, eight, or nine. There you go. So, yeah. all right, here's a good one. Okay. What conspiracy theory do you believe is probably real? Okay, so mine might be an original. Okay. Because I haven't seen this on the internet or anything, but I'm just going to go for it, okay? This one might require pictures on the screen. Okay. Post Malone and Shia LaBeouf are the same person. There we go. Have you ever seen them in a room together? I personally know. (laughs) I've not been in a room with either of them ever. I can see the resemblance. Okay. There it is. All right. They're the well, same person. All right. Let us know what you think about that <laughs> in, <laughs> in the comments. Um, but I, I think this one, it's probably not It's probably not like a big surprise. I don't think the magic bullet theory um, with the JFK assassination, I, I don't see it, mm. how that happened. I think there was a, a, a Seinfeld clip where they, it was a, they kind of reenacted that, uh, imagining if Keith Hernandez had spit on... Uh, Newman and Kramer, and they re- they acted that out, and how like the loogie would have had to pause in midair, make a right <laughs> turn, and then and then splash off of Newman's wrist, and then land on Kramer's thigh or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I have a hard time believing that a bullet, one bullet, did all of those things and just defied all sorts of physics. Mm-hmm. So that one, that one's definitely uh, mine. That's a good one. So all right, what is the scariest, most adventurous thing you've done? Um, I went zip lining one time in the mountains like outside of las vegas mm-hmm. um and it's huge like you're literally zip lining over the valley in between two mountains oh, and that's awesome. so it was it was pretty pretty awesome pretty scary and then i got stuck 
in the middle of one of the zip lines because I didn't weigh enough to, I didn't have enough speed. <laughs> so one of the guys had to come Spider-Man out there to come get me. Well, and he, I was he, just hanging out there. Did he, did he go out there and just kind of like, eh, and push you a along? Little bit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty scary, but also really cool. Okay. What's yours? Um, this ropes course out at Sandy, uh, I think it's called Sandy River, mm-hmm. uh, going towards Farmville. Oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I went on the middle level course. Um, that was that's pretty much where I topped out. I didn't I walking on those little thin uh, wires. Even if you are hooked to something, I'm just like just shaking uncontrollably, like very nervous. <laughs> My youngest daughter, uh, she was 11 at the time. Expert level course went all the way to the top. She she's zip lining between the trees and and climbing through the things up there. I was just like, you go, sis. Like it was it was awesome. But for me, that was that's probably the most like adventurous kind of thing I've done. That's cool. All right. Imaginary creature, which one do you do you wish was real? I think I got to go with a dragon. I mean, not that I would ever want to come face to face with one, but mm-hmm. how cool would it be to walk outside and see a dragon flying in the sky? That would be pretty sick. That sounds awesome to me. You, there's an awesome movie, Dragonheart. Mm. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. That, I've seen it. I think yeah. Sean Connery voiced it. Yeah. Loved that movie. Yeah. Like, state of the art CG at the time, anyway. Right. It probably looks pretty silly now, but I remember <laughs> watching it whenever I was younger, just thinking, man, that's so cool. Yeah. Bigfoot. Big Most deaf. Classic. Like Harry and the Hendersons, like totally like stoked my imagination for what a Bigfoot could potentially be. Like right. this very nice, docile creature just living out there, <laughs> loving the animals, you know, very benevolent to all the creatures around them. If there was a Bigfoot, it probably might not be like that. It'd probably be much more of a scary kind of creature. But I like the idea of a very docile, nature loving, one with all universe type Bigfoot that. Harry and the Hendersons was like a Chewbacca type Bigfoot. Oh, yes, okay, but I got you. maybe less prone to ripping your arms off if you lose a game of uh, chess or whatever it was that they were <laughs> right. playing. So, shifting gears a little bit. Okay. Did you have a bully growing up, and or were you the bully growing <laughs> up? I don't think I was either. I I didn't have a bully like mm-hmm. one person, and I wasn't a bully. I had what I like to call a prolonged awkward phase. I got okay. glasses and braces both in the fifth grade. There you and go. That'll obviously do it. Still got these. Got the braces off like tenth grade. So it was a long five years of mm-hmm. awkwardness. And you know, people picked on braces and glasses. You know, you know how kids are. But uh, yeah, that was about it. And no serious bullying. How about you? Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't really bullied, and I I wasn't a bully. Mm-hmm. I was a. I was kind of a social butterfly mm-hmm. type kid in school. Like I had friends in most all of the friends groups, so right. I pretty much got along with any any setting that I was in. I could adapt and and be friendly. Right. Um, so I didn't really I didn't really have that either. But all right. So here's here's one. What painful situation are you now grateful for? Man, we're really in the deep end now. <laughs> um, so. I, before I ever met my wife, I dated a girl for seven years and some change. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended really ugly, really badly. Um, but this is part of a much longer story for another day, but it's part of the catalyst of what brought me to church in the first mm-hmm. place. So um, that I think that kind of reset some of the priorities for my life and uh, got me to a place where I was open to something like church. Mm-hmm. Um, and life has kind of unfolded from there. So. And it's interesting how things that were painful, like 
you know, it really is true. Like there's a Gunger song, like, you know, God makes beautiful things come from the dust. Whenever we can't, if we are open to it and we submit whatever painful thing we we're going through or have gone through to him, something good can, right. can come from it. And that, that's kind of something that I went through a uh, very rocky marriage, mm-hmm. um, had a lot of issues whenever I was married and, uh, a lot of those painful things are what led me to coming here to church in the first place. Got a flyer in the mail and was like, I've literally tried everything else. What could it possibly hurt to just go ahead and get connected in church? Yeah. And showed up and it was just like all of the messages were coming right to me and left each week in just a puddle of tears. And just, <laughs> um, but that, so a lot of those, a lot of that stuff in that marriage is what led me to uh, being here. And so we're going to we're going to shift gears a little bit. And so we mentioned at the top of the program that we're going to be talking about giants Mm -hmm. and and Nephilim and just all weird overgrown size folks that (laughs) that are in the Bible. And and we get the first mention of that in Genesis. But before we hit there, what makes a giant a giant? Well, excellent question. Some studies will will suggest that anybody over seven feet tall is a giant. So that's most of the NBA probably. There by you now. go. Is Shaquille O'Neal a giant? I guess according if you're to some Mike, people, yes. And if you're Michael J. Fox, who's like <laughs> five foot one, <laughs> he's most definitely a giant. Yeah, and I mean that's you know we could go down the list, but uh, Andre the Giant was seven foot four. Uh, Sultan Kozin from Turkey, eight foot two. Yikes! Uh, I I might butcher this one. Sulaimana Abdul Samed from Ghana was nine foot six. He's the tallest recorded human on record. So those seem like giants to me. I yeah. mean, I don't, I'm, I'm like maybe five, eight. So <laughs> all of those people would qualify in my book. And um, as someone that's six, three, like I, I feel like a giant sometimes depending right. upon the group of people I'm in <laughs> and, and I'm nowhere near, I couldn't imagine looking at someone nine foot six where I have to crane my neck <laughs> up Six like foot that. three. These yeah. chairs are deceiving. Okay, there you go. <laughs> There's also a, a I found a, a few things about a medical condition called gigantism. Causes overgrowth and, and large features. Okay. Um, so uh, cer- certain studies will point to people who have that condition and mm-hmm. call them giants. Um, but kind of moving outside of the realm of like the real world mm-hmm. or uh, kind of what we have recorded on record anyway. There are, like in myths and folklore, people who are considered giants as well. You have Goliath, obviously, who yeah. we'll get to. You have Paul Bunyan, who's he a giant? John Henry. There's three here. Um, Baylor. What's that one? Gog, uh, Gog Magog? I have no idea who and, put that in there. And Grendel. Gog Magog? And Grendel. We have a list of people, some of them we know, some of them we don't, yeah. that uh, depending on who you, where you read or uh, who you hear from, those could be considered giants as well. And I mean, part of the, uh, the folklore with Paul Bunyan was him dragging his axe mm-hmm. after a hard day's work is what carved all of the, the rivers out in the Midwest and, and through, uh, through North America. Yeah. So, but getting, in, getting into scripture, in Genesis 6, that's where we first start hearing uh, stories of, um, of uh, heroes and, and like epic or maybe superhero would probably be how we describe them. Right. Genesis 6, 4, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. And when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old men of renown. But what's interesting, right after that, 
the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become <laughs> on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were only evil all of the time. It, it, we're getting in, that's where we're getting into the flood yeah. there, but that's where like the idea of, and whenever we go, when we go uh, later on and we get into Deuteronomy and numbers, that's where we start hearing um, like the, like they were the descendants of the Nephilim whenever the uh, spies went out and spied out Canaan. And we'll look at that in a little bit. Right. But I've always found that interesting. The The sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. And there's a lot of, you know, it's it. there's a lot of uh, conversation about who that, what that actually meant. What did the sons of God mean? Did that, it's it's kind of typically interpreted as angels or, or fallen angels that came down and had relations with, uh, with women. And that's where they came from. Another line of thought on that is um, they were the sons of Seth, mm-hmm. um, who was born after Cain killed Abel. And that's kind of where that, that came from. Like they, cause Cain was sent off. And so the daughter or the sons of God was, was Seth. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? It's It gets interesting because I think, you know, well, you had the flood where uh, God kind of decides we're going to start over and we're going to give this another try. But there are some of these people that we've looked at and said, are they giants? Yeah. They're described like giants. They exist after the flood. So how are they around? So what do you think it could have been like a recessive gene in the, in the, cause Noah and his sons had, you know, their wives on the boat with them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a conversation. It's a, it's a cool what if game, right. like how did it happen? Because then we're going to get into in Deuteronomy three, yep. where they talk about ref, the refams mm-hmm. and the refites, Og, King Og, mm-hmm. um, and that he was described as a giant of a guy who had a, bu- a bed that would have fit someone like 10 or 11 feet tall. So, I mean, we have we have uh, accounts of these things after after the flood. So it's like, how did they get here? Right. If everything was wiped out then. It's just kind of interesting how all of that kind of comes into play. Yeah. And I think as we kind of get into the Bible, so much of this is um, based on the account that we get and based on the descriptions that we get. And based on people's perspective, you know, we kind of talked about it at the beginning, but to Michael J. Fox, everybody's a giant. (laughs) So, uh, like, perspective matters. And um, I think as we get into the next one, uh, which is Anak uh, from the book of Numbers, Mm -hmm. like, just to talk about that perspective piece, um, in chapter 13, uh, some of the spies are kind of giving the account of what they've seen. And uh, verse 33 always cracks me up because this person's giving their report. And he says, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. Well, like, how do you know? Did you go talk to them? Like, yeah. you were so scared of them, but you got their thoughts on what you looked like. I don't, like, I don't understand. So it's just kind of funny as we continue to read these accounts, like, hearing the different perspectives. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, whenever they they get there the name anakim most likely means long-necked or tall Hmm. so these could have just been giraffes just tall yes (laughs) (laughs) just just tall long-necked dudes you know but they saw them and maybe the israelites were a short hobbit like folk (laughs) but just not very tall and they just saw these people and just got totally freaked out right but i just thought all of that was interesting and you know 
whenever the 12 Israelite spies returned from exploring the promised land, they gave a frightened report of people great and tall, mm -hmm. which is kind of how the Hebrew words uh, that they used there, whom they identified as the sons of Anak. The Israelites seized with fear and believing themselves to be mere grasshoppers in their sight, rebelled against God and refused to enter the promised land. Yeah. And, and so, but just that fear of just seeing something that was just maybe unnaturally tall to them, yeah. just absolutely terrified them. Yeah. Something bigger than you could, something bigger than you can comprehend. Yes. Yeah. You're in your mind. You could be like, that's a giant, you know? So. And then we, and then that leads us to Goliath. Yep. And, and was he. A, a Nephilim because mm -hmm. it does I mean whenever we read it earlier it says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and afterward at least from right. the perspective of of the Israelites and so that's kind of where that's kind of where we're going to lead into and that's in first uh, Samuel 17 and then we're also there's also accounts of Goliath's uh, brothers yeah. in in second Samuel 19 and first Chronicles 10. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he came from Gath, and they were believed to be descendants of uh, some of the Annex and stuff like that. And, you know, if you go in there and read those accounts, there was three or four other ones. And then one of the people in that account was, was one of the giant folks, had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. I mean, I wonder how effective and efficient I could be if I had <laughs> <laughs> six fingers and six toes. Yes. You know, you're just... Palming basketballs all over the place. like Feels like you'd get some more things done. I mean, than you you're, can you're typing way faster. Oh, yeah, there you go. Double <laughs> um, time. But, you know, so, I mean, there's just all sorts of stuff here. Yeah. I think, you know, particularly the story of David and Goliath, because it's so famous, mm -hmm. it's it's easy to, to kind of fall into the trap of Goliath's kind of a one-off. When, yeah. in reality, we get other accounts of his brothers uh, in the Bible. So, yeah, it's just interesting to, to kind of trace the arc of different what different people see how they describe them different accounts and how far along in the storyline it goes so. and and that was what the first time i read the bible through mm -hmm. like yeah i just always imagined that the flood happens i mean because it you know and whenever you're teaching this story to kids yeah you know it it, it appears up uh, flood boom everything's gone and then nothing's there and you're just starting over I mean, it could be interpreted differently. Right. I mean, I, don't, I mean, and, and the Bible even says they were on the earth here and then they were hereafter. And then it sounds like whenever Moses and them all come in uh, or, yeah, whenever Joshua comes in and then David is doing his thing and they're finished clearing out the, the promised land in Canaan, there was there was some remnants of some folks. Right. You know. Yeah. So. Um, but let's segue into, cause we got a, some very powerful, uh, messages that we have on this subject of David and Goliath. Right. And so let's take a look at this clip. We say it all the time around here. God is always working. He's always working. And when we have confidence to know that God can do it in the humility to admit that we can't without him, then we'll have all the tools we need to step out with courage to face our giants. And this is the ultimate goal, right? If we have humility and confidence, but don't actually engage in the hard work of overcoming whatever it is we're going through, then nothing changes. If David doesn't step out on the field of battle, Goliath never goes down. Eventually, the Philistines would have advanced on the Israelites and easily claimed victory. David needed to turn his humility and confidence into practical action. He did so by picking up his sling and stones. 
Now, you and I, we can't sling rocks at our giants. Instead, we have to find tools of our own, ones that work for us. For some of us, it might be an investment in books on how to create and manage a budget or courses on eliminating debt altogether. For others of us, it might be therapy. Seeking professional help for a legitimate sickness is something we all do. But when it comes to our minds, we see it differently. But it's not. Instead of seeing it as unnecessary or weak, see it as possibly your most effective weapon against your mental giant. For others still, it's as simple as a phone call to a trusted friend or mentor with an admission. Here's what I'm facing, and I don't know what to do next. Can you help me figure it out? Oftentimes, this is all we need in order to begin the journey toward defeating our giants. So whatever it is for you, know this. Your giant can be beat. Your giant can be defeated. It can be overcome. And if you and I will have the humility to know we can't do it alone, the confidence to know God can, and the courage to stand and fight, we'll have everything we need to be like David and win. All right, so that was some awesome teaching from Pastor Elijah there on having uh, humility, confidence, and then courage to act regardless of what you're facing, just like David did. And at that time that David did that, he was still what? He was still like 14 to 16. Like he was was still a young guy. And, And Goliath had been going out there for 40 days just taunting the the Israelites and King Saul to send somebody out to face him and David was just there and he's like I've done fought bears and lions <laughs> and and all sorts of things like like who's this guy yeah you know yeah Saul tried to give him armor and a yeah. sword and he was like nah I'm good yeah I got this and went out there and grabbed three or uh, what was it? I think five smooth stones mm-hmm. and got his sling out and dropped him in, in a, with a one hitter quitter and then went out there and and well he beheaded him and yep. and took his sword <laughs> and 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 that's the story of David and Goliath um but you know one of we all face we all face things that that can be you know appear insurmountable and absolutely terrifying and so just to bring it back to what what Elijah said there having uh, humility to just admit I can't do this on my own yeah and and then having the the courage uh, and then the confidence to know that if you put your faith and trust in God and surrender it to him like like you did and whenever you told your story earlier in mm-hmm. the in the episode here and then just the confidence just to just to act on it and to keep moving forward or the courage to just keep moving forward yeah um, in spite of what you're going through like something amazing can happen. Yeah, kind of, I think it kind of ties back to what we talked about earlier, which is in, in like the human mind, a giant can be anything that feels too big for us, yes. that's too too insurmountable, that's something that we can't handle. And so um, we've talked about that in like a physical sense, but what Elijah talked about in the message and uh, what we can kind of take, take away from it is how do we deal with our mental giants? Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, you'll if y'all don't know this already, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. I like definitions, so I pulled definitions for humility, confidence, and courage. Uh, humility is a modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance or rank. 
uh, confidence, belief in the powers, trustworthiness, or reliability of a person or thing, and then courage is the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, or pain. You can see kind of how this all, yes. it all works together kind of in tandem. Um, you have humility to know your own, to know your own place, your own role in your struggle, confidence in the one who is behind you in that struggle, and then the courage to go, you know, filled with that confidence and take action against whatever it is your your giant is. So, and I think one of the things that's also important is, and and one of the things that we tend to do as humans is whenever we are going through something, we tend to think that it is we're the only ones that have ever gone through something like mm-hmm. that. We're the only people that like nobody could possibly understand uh, what we're going through. And there's a, a you know, Peter specifically says in, in I think it's in First Peter. Um, you know, there's Christians throughout the world undergoing the same type of suffering that you are. And, you know, he's meaning that in the, in the realm of like religious persecution, but whatever you're going through, like I was, I'm not the only person in the world that had a marriage fall apart. Mm -hmm. You know, there were people that I could reach out to and say, Hey, this is what I'm going through. And that takes a massive amount of humility (laughs) to just say, Hey, I'm struggling Mm -hmm. here. And you're, and that. For me, whenever I first started doing that, that was an act of faith. Right. You know, just that, you know, if I just submit this and I just open up about what's going on and I be humble with it and I allow people inside the church to come around me and, and carry my burdens with me, um, you know, things can come from it. Good things can come from it. And we saw that when, you know, David went out there and, and saved the day. Good things came from it because you ended up coming to church mm-hmm. and and I got more connected into church. So whatever you're facing, you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. I also think, you know, something we can learn from the story of David and Goliath is we, David had confidence facing Goliath because of the trials he had faced before. Yes. And we can do the same thing. And I think it's easy when we're facing a giant to feel like I've never overcome something like this before, Mm -hmm. but you, you have, you have, all you have to do is remind yourself of what you've overcome in the past because it's there. It's just hard to see it's hard to see around the thing right in front of you mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of look around and see these are the things I've already overcome. And that th- there's a I've been going through this. I've been working through this book, um, Discovering Your Spiritual Identity by, mm-hmm. by Trevor Hudson. And one of the exercises in that that you go through is um, it's called developing a Christian memory. Mm-hmm. And it's it's where you you take the time and you really self-reflect on everything that you've been through in your life up to that point. And then write down the, the times where God was faithful. Yeah. And so that way you can look back and say, you know, God was faithful here and he saw me through it. And God was faithful here and he saw me through it. And you start racking up like lots of times where you're like, gosh, well, God was here with me in all of these things. Why wouldn't he be faithful now? Right. I like to think it's one of the reasons why you read so many lists of uh victorious battles in the Bible. It's like when you're reading it, it's like, what, bro, why is this in here? Why am I reading this? But it's a reminder of all the times that God was there in the past. So, and and it just brings up, there's a, there's a, you know, we had the parting of the Red Sea Mm -hmm. and then when, but the sea also parted the, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on which river it was now, but another episode of a river parting and them walking through it. And the first thing that they did whenever they got to the other side, God told them to go back and get 12 stones and set up a, uh, a marker there mm-hmm. just as a sign yeah. of God let us in here. Right. God was faithful and he was right here. So 
Closing thoughts. Just whatever giant you're facing. And, I mean, we could, I think, you know, we could kind of go across the board of giants who could be facing mental, emotional, spiritual, a physical struggle. Relational struggles. Relational. All of them. Yeah. Um, whatever it is. Like, you can have humility to know that it's not all on you to, mm-hmm. to overcome it. The confidence in the one who is with you to help you overcome it. And then the courage to take the step out and take the action to overcome whatever it is you're facing. So. And, and for me, it would just be whatever you're facing, yeah. no matter how scary it may be, no matter how unique it may be to you, there are other people that are out there mm-hmm. that can empathize with you and sympathize with you and that are willing to walk through whatever it is that you're going through with you. You yeah. don't have to do it alone. Yeah. So whether, what, if, whether you're part of PCC or another church, there's folks there. Like God has put people around you that will be there with you no matter what you're going through. Um, that was it. Yeah. This was a good one. It was good. This was fun. Like, share, subscribe, all the things. If you leave us a review, um, we've, got, we've got mugs that we'll send you if we read it. And bonus, if, if you want us to read your review, something that will make us laugh, we'll go a long way towards that. So leave us a review. Make us laugh if you can. Yes. And uh, we'll send you a mug. And we will be back next week for another episode of The After Chat. Thanks for joining us for The After Chat. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To be the first to hear our next episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and get notifications for new content. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at PCC Wired and Facebook at Passion Community Church. For additional resources and links, check out the description. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on The After Chat.